I have long been fascinated with the fact that, uh, well, let me put it this way. I have long been fascinated with this episode when Peter um, speaks to Jesus after Jesus says that he has to, it was after the transfiguration, and Jesus says, <clears throat> I now I must go to Jerusalem and I will be arrested and I will be tortured and killed. And then on the third day I shall rise. Then Peter <clears throat> says something that I have always considered extremely normal. When somebody says they're going to be arrested, tortured, and killed, it is extremely normal to say, oh Lord, oh that may not that ever happen to you. That is very normal for all of us to say. <laughs> Peter says to Jesus after he has stated he's going to be arrested, killed, and tortured, and killed. Peter says what's normal. Lord, may that never happen to you. Now, you would think that Jesus would thank him. That Jesus would say, thank you for that nice thought. You know, I appreciate your concern for me. But do you remember what Jesus says to him? Not any message of gratitude. Jesus says to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, that's bad enough. But what Jesus says next is what fascinates me. Right after he says, get thee behind me, Satan, he says this. You are thinking like man does, not like God. Now think about the implications of that statement. You are thinking like man does, not like God. Peter has just expressed an extremely normal thought for us human beings, wishing each other well. And yet, Jesus has said, that type of thinking is not the way God thinks. And so the question should come that's, that's constantly gotten to me is, well then, how do you think, God? How, how is it that you think that the way we normal people, at least we think we're normal, how come it's totally different from yours? And that has fascinated me in conjunction with a statement that St. Paul makes. St. Paul makes this statement, and I forgot to look up where, in one of his letters, he says, you must put on the mind of Christ. Now, think about that statement in conjunction with what Jesus said. You must put on the mind of Christ, meaning that we have to think not like normal people do, but we have to think like Jesus does. And so the question that keeps coming up is this. 
Well, how does Jesus think? How does he think that is different from us? And for the rest of the, this homily, I, I just want to give you three examples. Three examples that are tremendously incongruous and give us a hint as to how we have to change our thinking. And the, the reason why we have to change our thinking is because every time something happens that is out of our ordinary and we expect God to act in a particular way, and then he doesn't, then we're all confused and disappointed and what's the use and stuff like that. But maybe, just maybe, it's because we're not thinking like God does. We're thinking like normal human beings, which goes to show that maybe normalcy is not quite the norm when it comes to comparing ourselves to God. Let me give you three examples. First example, of course, was the Peter. The example of Peter when he says, Lord, may that not happen to you? Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. That's example number one. You are thinking like man does, not like God. Now let's go to example number two. Example number two. Do you remember when the paralytic man was being lowered from the roof because they could not get the paralytic man to the door? And they lower him down to the roof. And <coughs> presumably this man comes down and he's right in front of Jesus. Now what would a normal human being think this paralytic man wants. They brought him here to have Jesus heal him, to have him be able to walk. So you would think that Jesus would intuit that. When the man comes down in front of him, Jesus looks at him and says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. No. He does not say that. When a man gets down, right down in front of him, Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. Now just think about that. Jesus knew that's not what he came for. And I'm sure that the paralytic man was laying there going, well, thank you, but you know, that's kind of not what I was hoping for. And Jesus doesn't even address him. He sees the scribes and the Pharisees across the room, and he goes to the scribes and Pharisees because he knows they're thinking, Who's, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus says, why do such thoughts cross your mind? Why do you doubt that the Son of Man has, Capasso has the authority to forgive sins? And then... He says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? And of course, your sins are forgiven is easier to say because you can't, you don't have to prove anything. And so Jesus then says the next thing, which think about this. He says, but that you Pharisees may know 
that the Son of Man has authority on this earth to forgive sins, then he looks at the paralytic and says, pick up your mat, rise and walk and take, go home. Now, the question I have for you is this. What was Jesus' priority? The priority of all of them, the people who brought the paralytic man and the people who, who lowered him down and the rest of the crowd, everybody knew that the priority was there to heal him. Jesus did not think that was the priority. When Jesus looked at the man, he did not respond first and foremost to his illness. He looked at his heart. Jesus made the judgment that his condition, spiritual condition, was a greater priority to heal than his paralysis. The interesting way of thinking. We would have never thought that. Third one. Today. Lazarus is sick. He is dying. And Martha and Mary sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one whom you love is very sick, dying. The presumption is, come quickly, come quickly, and heal him. Now, the very next sentence in the gospel says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus very much. So when he heard about it, he hurried immediately and went to go heal because it was an emergency. No, he did not do that. The Bible says Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus very much. So when he heard his friend was sick unto death, he stayed where he was two extra days. Does that sound correct? Does that sound normal? No. No. Normally, if you get an emergency, you run. You go. Now, think about what Jesus' priorities are. And I find this extremely interesting from this perspective. Think about what an emergency is. The word emergency, of course, comes from the word emerge. Something is emerging, coming out suddenly. Something is emerging that threatens to overwhelm something or someone you love. And you must hurry because you are in a race against time, against an entity or a power that is, has the ability to overwhelm whatever you love or whatever you want to defend. And so you hurry so that the emergency does not occur before you get there. Here's the problem. Not a problem, actually the issue. Is there anything that can emerge which would overwhelm whatever Jesus wants to do? Nope. For Jesus, in effect, there are no emergencies. There's no emergencies for him. 
because the very definition is something that can overwhelm. And so Jesus says, I'm letting Lazarus die for the glory of God, so that the glory of God may be shown. Again, priority. Watch the priority. And this is really shown when Jesus finally shows up and Martha and Martha comes running out. And now I don't know how you're supposed to interpret this next sentence, but I always, I always interpret it a little sarcastically because if, if I had let somebody know that I needed them here right away because it was an emergency. And I heard that the person whom I asked to come running stayed two extra days and he didn't come until he was good and ready to come. I would be angry. I would feel disappointed. And so when Jesus starts coming, Mary, I mean, Martha goes running up to him and says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I don't know how you read that. You know, it could have been, oh, Lord, if you had been here, you know, my brother could not have died. Or how about, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think that's the one I would read. Because that woman is angry that Jesus stayed two extra days. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Now Martha, once again, she, I, I, how you read that? Because the next thing she says is, I know, I know he will rise on the resurrection on the last day. To me, that sounds like a throwaway line. You know, have you ever got, whenever you go to a funeral, and you see somebody die, that has died. I mean, the relatives of the person who has died. And you got to say something to them. What do you say to somebody who has lost a husband or a wife or something like that? And so you say something nice. He's at peace now. Um, that he's with God now. He's no suffering any longer. And the person who hears that says to you, Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That, that, those are kind of like, you don't know what else to say. And so the person says, thank you. Oh, I know, I know, I know. That's how I read Martha. Martha is basically saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. My brother will rise on the last day. Martha thinks that Jesus is saying some sort of perfunctory you know, feel good line. And Jesus looks at her after she has said, I know he will rise on the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus looks at her, and I can almost see his eyes looking at her, and just a little bit of silence in between. And he says, I am the resurrection. But just stop. Oh, yes, my brother will rise on the resurrection on the last day. I am the resurrection. There is no resurrection on the last day apart from me. I am the resurrection. I am the life.
Then Mary comes out. Mary says exactly the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother will not have died. By this time, Jesus is probably up to here. And he says, where have you laid him? And then it says, Jesus was troubled. And then he wept. Why? Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why would he cry? Why would he cry? I have a hunch. I'll tell you my hunch. I think he was crying because whenever you see people you love suffering and crying, you feel really bad. I have, I've done a ton of funerals in this church. And there have been some funerals that I did not know the person. But when, they, when, uh, when I saw the suffering that was going on, when I saw wives or husbands embracing a casket and almost fainting, when I see families torn apart, I can't help have tears come to my eyes, even though I'm not the one directly affected. But I can't, I, it, heart, it hurts for them. I think that's what Jesus was going through. I think he was overwhelmed by the suffering he saw around him as a result of sin in the world. And then he says, where have you laid him? And they take away the stone. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out. But the point of what I was trying to tell you is that, is this. God doesn't think like we do. His priorities are very different. He thought that following a trajectory of an encounter with God, the power of evil threatened in the crucifixion. He thought that was more important than safety because Peter was counseling to be safe. God, Jesus, did not think it was that important to be safe over his confrontation with the power of evil. When it came to the paralytic, <clears throat> The priority of the people was heal this poor man. That was not Jesus' priority. The forgiveness of that man's spiritual situation was a priority. It was not the priority over being healed. <coughs> and when it comes to Lazarus, keeping him from dying and keeping everybody from suffering the death of Lazarus did not seem to be the priority. The priority seemed to be the glory of God at the moment of the rising of Lazarus. Now, I'm just saying this to you because as disciples of Jesus, you're supposed to be trying to put on the mind of Christ. And I think that every time you see Jesus in the Gospels, 
you need to go beyond just looking at the miracle and going, wow. I think we need to ask, what is he thinking? Why is he doing that? Because you and I have to learn to think like Jesus. Folks, being Christian is not about coming to church. It's not about punching your Catholic card so that you don't commit a sin. It's about putting on the mind of Christ. And if we don't do that, if you don't put on the mind of Christ, there's not much point in your discipleship. It's like showing up for class, but refusing to incorporate what you learn. Makes no difference then. The whole point of being a Christian is to put on the mind of Christ. And finally, please understand, none of us is getting into heaven without putting on the mind of Christ. So whether it's here or in purgation, purgatory, trust me, sooner or later we're going to have to learn how to think like Jesus because that's the only correct way to think. The way we think is normal is actually as a result of original sin. Our normal is actually upside down. But boy, is it hard to learn to live right side up in an upside down world. <laughs>